0: Good evening, this is Mr. Denning with Chapter 5 of The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe. So we now know that both Lucy and Edmund have gone on to the other side of the wardrobe and gone into Narnia. So let's see what happens from here. This chapter is called Back on This Side of the Door. Because the game of hide and seek was still going on, it took Edmund and Lucy some time to find the others. But when at last they were all together which happened in the long room where the suit of armor was lucy burst out peter susan it's all true edmund has seen it too there is a country you can get to through the wardrobe edmund and i both got in we met one another in there in the wood go on edmund tell them all about it what's all this about ed said peter and now we come to the nastiest thing in this story up until that moment Edmund had been feeling sick and sulky and annoyed with Lucy for being right, but he hadn't made up his mind what to do. When Peter suddenly asked him the question, he decided all at once to do the meanest and most spiteful thing he could think of. He decided to let Lucy down. Tell us, Ed, said Susan. And Edmund gave a very superior look, as if he were far older than Lucy. There was really only a year's difference. And then a little sniggle and said... Oh, yes, Lucy and I have been playing, pretending that all her story about a country in the wardrobe is true. Just for fun, of course. There's nothing there, really. Poor Lucy gave Edmund one look and rushed out of the room. Edmund, who was becoming a nastier person every minute, thought that he had scored a great success and went on at once to say, There she goes again. What's the matter with her? That's the worst of young kids. They always... Look here, said Peter, turning on him savagely. Shut up. You've been perfectly beastly to Lou ever since you started this nonsense about the wardrobe, and now you go playing games with her about it and setting her off again. I believe it I believe you did it simply out of spite. But it's all nonsense, said Edmund, very taken aback. Of course it's all nonsense, said Peter. That's just the point. Lou was perfectly all right when we when we left home, but since we've been down here, she seems to be either going queer in the head or else turning into a most frightful liar. But whichever it is, what good do you think you'll do by jurying and nagging at her one day and encouraging her the next? I, I thought, I thought, said Edmund, but he couldn't think of anything to say. You didn't think anything at all, said Peter. It's just spite. You've always liked being beastly to anyone smaller than yourself. We've seen that at school before now. Do stop it, said Susan. It won't make any, things any better having a row between you two. Let's go and find Lucy. It was not surprising that when they found Lucy, a good deal later, everyone could see that she had been crying. Nothing they could say to her made any difference. She She stuck to her story and said, I don't care what you think, and I don't care what you say. You can tell the professor, or you can write to Mother, or you can do anything you like. I know I've met a fawn in there, and I wish I'd stay there, and you're all beasts, beasts. It was an unpleasant evening. Lucy was miserable, and Edmund was beginning to feel that his plan wasn't working as well as he had expected. The two older ones were really beginning to think that Lucy was out of her mind. They stood in the passage talking about it in whispers long after she had gone to bed. The result was that next morning, they decided they really would go and tell the whole thing to the professor. He'll write to father if he thinks there's really something wrong with Lou, said Peter. It's getting beyond us. So they went and knocked at the study door and the professor said, come in and got up and found chairs for them to sit and said he was quite at their disposal. Then he sat listening to them with the tips of his fingers pressed together and never interrupting till they had finished the whole story. After that, he said nothing for quite a long time. Then he cleared his throat and said the last thing either one of them expected. How do you know? He asked that your sister's story is not true. "'Oh, but,' began Susan, and then stopped. Anyone could see from the old man's face that he was perfectly serious. Then Susan pulled herself together and said, "'But Edmund said they'd only been pretending.' "'That is a point,' said the professor, "'which certainly deserves consideration, "'very careful consideration. "'For instance, if you will excuse me "'for asking the question, "'does your experience lead you to regard your brother "'or your sister as the most reliable? "'I mean, which is the more truthful?' That's just the funny thing about it, sir," said Peter. Up till now, I'd have said Lucy every time. And what do you think, my dear?" said the professor, turning to Susan. "Well," said Susan. "In general, I'd say the same as Peter, but this couldn't be true. All this about the the woods and the fawn. That is more than I know," said the professor. "And a change of lying against, and a charge of lying against someone who've always found truthful is a very serious thing. A very serious thing indeed. We were afraid it mightn't." be lying said susan we thought there might be something wrong with lucy madness you mean said the professor quite coolly oh you can make your minds easy about that one only has to look at her and talk to her and see that she is not mad but then said lucy said said susan and stopped she'd never dreamed that a grown-up would talk like the professor and didn't know what to think logic said the professor half to himself why don't they teach logic in these schools? There are only three possibilities. Either your sister is telling lies, or she is mad, or she is telling the truth. You know she doesn't tell lies, and it's, obviously that she, it's obvious that she's not mad. For the moment then, and unless any further evidence turns up, we must assume that she is telling the truth. Susan looked at him very hard and was quite sure from the expression on his face that he was not making fun of them. How could it be true, sir, said Peter. Why do you say that, asked asked the professor. Well, for one thing, said Peter, if it was real, why doesn't everyone find this country every time they go into the wardrobe? I mean, there was nothing there when we looked. Even Lucy didn't pretend there was. What has that to do with it, said the professor. Well, sir, if things are real, then they they are real all the time. Are they, said the professor, and Peter did not know what to say. But there was no time, said Susan. Lucy had had no time to have gone anywhere, even if there was such a place. She came running after us the very moment we were out of the room. It was less than a minute, and she pretended to have been there for hours. That is the very thing that makes her story so likely to be true, said the professor. If there really is a door in this house that leads to some other world, and I should warn you that this is a very strange house, and even I know very little about it. If I say she has gotten into another world, I should not be at all surprised to find that the other world had a separate time of its own, so that however long you stayed there, it would never take up any of our time. On the other hand, I don't think many girls of her age would invent that idea for themselves. If she'd been pretending, she would have hidden for a reasonable time before coming out and telling her story. But do you really mean, sir, said Peter, that there could be other worlds? all over the place just round the corner like that nothing's more probable said the professor taking off his spectra- spectacles and beginning to polish them while he muttered to himself i wonder what they do teach at them schools but what are they to- what are we to do said susan she felt that the conversation was beginning to get off the point my dear young lady said the professor suddenly looking up with a very sharp expression at both of them There's one plan which no one has yet suggested and which is well worth trying. What's that? said Susan. We might all try minding our own business, said he. And then that was the end of that conversation. After this, things were a good deal better for Lucy. Peter saw to it that Edmund stopped jeering at her and neither she nor anyone else felt inclined to talk about the wardrobe at all. It had become a rather alarming subject. And so for a time, it looked as if all the ventures were coming to an end but that was not to be. This house of the professors, which even he knew so little about, was so old and famous that people from all over England used to come and ask permission to see it. It was the sort of house that is mentioned in guidebooks and even in histories. And well, it might be, for all manner of stories were told about it. Some of them even stranger than the one I'm telling you. And when the parties of sightseers arrived and asked to see the house, the professor always gave them permission And Mrs. McCready, the housekeeper, showed them around, telling them all about the pictures and the armor and the rare books in the library. Mrs. McCready was not fond of the children and did not like to be interrupted when she was telling visitors all the things she knew. She had said to Susan and Peter almost on the first morning, along with a good many other instructions, And please remember, you're to keep out of the way whenever I'm taking a party over the house just as if any of us would want to waste half the morning trailing around with a crowd of strange grown-ups, said Edmund. And the other three thought the same. That was how the adventures began for the second time. A few mornings later, Peter and Edmund were looking at the suit of armor and wondering if they could take it to bits. And the two girls rushed into the room and said, look out, here comes Macready and the whole gang with her. Sharp sword, said Peter. And all four made off through the door at the far end of the room. But When they got out into the green room and beyond it into the library, they suddenly heard voices ahead of them and realized that Mrs. McCready must be bringing her party of sightseers back up up the back stairs instead of up the front stairs as they had expected. And after that, whether it was that they lost their heads or that Mrs. McCready was trying to catch them or that some magic in the house had come to life and was chasing them into Narnia, they seemed to find themselves being followed everywhere until at last Susan said, "'Oh, bother those trippers. "'Here, let's get into the wardrobe room till they've passed. "'No one will follow us in there.' "'But the moment they were inside, "'they heard voices in the passage "'and then someone fumbling at the door, "'and then they saw the handle turning. "'Quick,' said Peter, "'there's nowhere else,' "'and flung open the wardrobe. "'All four of them bundled inside "'and sat there panting in the dark. "'Peter held the door closed but did not shut it, "'for, of course, he remembered, "'as every sensible person does.' that you should never shut yourself up in the wardrobe. That's the end of chapter five. We'll see what happens in chapter six called Into the Forest. Hope you enjoyed tonight's chapter. Have a good night.